Happy Tuesday, April 20th, everyone. My name is Doug. Welcome back to another episode of the Figure Four Podcast. Today, I'm going to do what I've been wanting to do for a long time. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to, well, I'm going to compare wrestling to the way it was back in the 80s, maybe into the early 90s. It's changed. The organizations have changed. The business has changed. And I'm going to talk about some of the things that have, well, kind of drove me nuts in the last few years in professional wrestling. So, no further ado, let's get into it. I think starting off, the biggest thing I'm going to get into is the storylines. In my opinion, when I grew up watching wrestling, it was the early 80s. I was a kid. I started watching it with my grandmother on television. She was really into it. And as I got a little bit older, I mean, we're all younger. Now, You could it's comparable to kids nowadays, say it's seven years old, eight years old, nine years old. They probably think the storylines of professional wrestling are really good the same way I did back in the 80s. But for whatever reason, I'm sitting here as as an adult now and I'm looking back and I'm thinking, you know, whether it was the NWA or the WWF, that's all I had access to as a kid. But now you look at WWE, I'll use them just as an example. I think the storylines are a lot of times they're just kind of thrown together. There's a slight buildup to kind of introduce you, say, to a new feud between two guys or, or, or two tag teams. And it just, I don't know, it just doesn't feel the same way to me. Now, everything is totally personal opinion, personal preference, so don't kill me. Everyone's got opinions. They're like assholes, right? But back in the 80s, the storylines were just better, in my opinion. Now, like I said, they're kind of, there's a slow buildup, and then a feud starts. And then after, it feels like, Maybe a month, a little over a month, it's like they've climaxed and they try to go a little bit more and that's it, they're dead and they kind of move on. Back in the 80s, the storylines went sometimes up to six months. I remember Hulk Hogan had a big feud with Paul Orndorff. That lasted almost a year. And every bit of that, whatever it was, eight months to a year, every bit of that storyline was really, really, really well done. Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan, if you've ever watched interviews with them, have even said they made a ton of money. And of course, it all pretty much ended in that steel cage match, if you remember on Saturday night's main event, where both their feet hit the floor. Just so well done. And when they, it was really cool to see whenever they had the the, the counter, the clock down below and showing both their feet hit the floor. And then Vince McMahon saying, oh, it was Hogan's feet hit the floor. And then Jesse Ventura would say, no, it was Paul Orndorff's feet hit the floor. He got robbed. It was just the, the storylines were all like that. Like, and it didn't matter that like it didn't matter if it was in the tag team, if it, if it revolved around the World Heavyweight Championship or the Intercontinental Championship. The storylines were so well done today. I just don't find them interesting. And they haven't been for a very, very long time. But a lot of that has to do with promos, which I'm getting. That's the next thing on my list that has really anyone that's a wrestling fan knows doing a promo is a it's an art form. It's a real skill that not everyone can master. Not every wrestler can master. Now, back in the day, even Hogan back in the 80s could cut a hell of a promo. Randy Savage could cut a hell of a promo. Well, you didn't know what Randy Savage was saying half the time, but could still cut an amazing promo. The guy that gave the best promo back in the 80s and even in the 90s was Jake Roberts. If he ever, ever, ever decides to stop 
kind of having an on-screen role like he does in AEW right now, there is one job that man is suited for, and that is teaching promo class. This guy, I loved him back in the day because he could look in that camera and he never yelled and he didn't scream, but with a look of an eye and just that very, very, very soft-spoken, deep voice, he could make you believe what he was saying was real. He could captivate an audience just with a look. And that is a talent that, oh, he's the one and only, let's face it, that could do it back in the 80s. But in the 80s, there were so many good promos. Roddy Piper was another guy that could give an amazing promo. Now, if you go modern area, I'm not saying that none of these guys can cut a good promo. John Cena was probably the guy that could really, really give you, like you could tell that was coming right from the heart. He meant everything he said. John Cena, whether you loved him or hate him, loved the business of professional wrestling. Randy Orton is another guy that can cut a really, really good promo. Rock could always talk. Steve Austin could always talk. Their promos were more entertaining, I think. Not so much from the heart. Um, they're more for a shock value, more entertainment. Uh, I can't. Uh, Ric Flair could always cut a good promo. Arn Anderson was another guy that was the king of the promos. Like I said, if you compare the guys today that can shoot a promo, they're few and far between. But there is one guy, I will say this, and truth be told, I didn't really know him until he went to AEW, was uh, Kingston. Eddie Kingston. This guy can cut a promo like no one else. Another guy, but he's from, again, he's from the older school, is Chris Jericho. But it also took Chris Jericho to to come into his own cutting promos. He actually cut one on AEW, I'm going to say, a week or two ago. And it was probably one of the best promos he's cut in the last 10 years. Um, But again, was a guy that needed a few years to kind of come in his own. He was kind of... When he was in WCW, he was kind of hokey, and I really wasn't interested in anything he said. Now, was it entertaining? Sure it was. But eh, not something, oh, Chris Jericho's coming on next to cut a promo. It wasn't something I was had to be in my seat to hear. Um, and again, all opinions. But again, I think the guys, there were more guys back in the day that could cut a better promo. And truth be told, I think a lot of it, another reason why you, you almost you felt it off them that they were really straight shooting with it was because there was nothing scripted back then. They had ideas thrown at them. Nowadays, they got a written promo thrown in their face and they say, memorize it. And then you go out and read it word for word. It's hard to speak from the heart when you don't really feel it. Seth Rollins is another guy. He's, I can't stand his promos. They are just too generic. They're too scripted. And they have been since he came out. Roman Reigns is getting better. But in my opinion, still has a lot of work to do. I'm really, really hoping that they keep him with Paul Heyman for a while because he really is learning a lot from Paul Heyman. And you can see it week after week. And I said I said this after we went over the WrestleMania matches. Roman Reigns is getting better. He's getting stronger and he's becoming a better champion. And I think he's learning a whole lot from Paul Heyman. Now, this next point is probably the biggest pet peeve, annoying piss-off I have seen ever in professional wrestling. And it only happens in WWE. Whenever you've got 
whether it be a tag team, singles wrestlers, even in the Royal fucking Rumble, that stupid camera that zooms in and zooms out whenever someone's getting punched a lot or quickly or stomped on or a two-on-one and it's just a slobber knocker like JR would say. That zoom in, zoom out has got to go. Now, I don't know whose idea this was, whether it was Triple H's, Vince McMahon, or someone else in the office. But that has got to go. Now, can you imagine back in the 80s, imagine 70s, 80s, even into the 90s, that if your talent, if you had so little faith in them, you had to, as a producer for a national television show with millions of viewers watching every week, not even counting pay-per-views, if you had to tell your production crew and your camera crew and the guys in the truck, all right, whenever this spot happens, if you see a clobbering or whatever's going to happen, make sure you zoom in and zoom out so we can protect what they can't do. If you can't trust your talent to deliver or sell a punch, a stomp, a kick, why do you have them on payroll? I am getting so sick and tired. You would never have saw that in the, in the history of wrestling, especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. This has got to go. There's nothing worse. Honestly, it makes me want to turn it off whenever I see that. And that's all, that's all I'm going to, all the time I'm going to spend on that. It's just, if you don't, if you can't sell a move or deliver a move, and if you have absolutely no faith in your talent, then they really shouldn't be on your payroll. Now, the next thing, it's not that big, it's not that big a deal, but again, I think it still affects what happens in wrestling this year and why it doesn't get a pop like it did back in the day is the music. Nowadays, there aren't too many guys with music that get a huge pop like they did back in the 80s and even in the 90s. Uh, the biggest reason Vince McMahon got rid of Jim Johnston for whatever reason, and for you, for any of you guys that don't know, Jim Johnston wrote all the music for the WWF from the eighties up until, I don't know, I'm going to say maybe five years ago. If I'm wrong, please let me know. That's just a guess. But if you look at guys nowadays that get a pop and I'm talking about now the newer wrestlers that come out, who gets a pop Roman Reigns? Definitely gets a pop. Nine times out of ten, it, it's booze. Randy Orton gets a pop. Um, I'm trying to think just off the top of my head. I try not to do too much editing. Just let let this thing flow. Um, Daniel Bryan. Uh, the newer wrestlers, that's... I can't really think of anyone else that gets a huge pop. I'll say Alexa Bliss. She gets a pretty good pop whenever she comes out. But if you look back at guys from the 80s and the 90s, now I'm not talking about the old timers that still show up. You look at guys in the 80s and 90s when their music hit the pop they got. Ric Flair. Hulk Hogan. Sting. Uh... Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, Demolition, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, John Cena. The list goes on and on and on of guys that just got these huge pops. And when you look at the pops you get today, like I said, you might get, well, Alexa Bliss gets a good pop. But the guys from the 
80s and 90s, Roman Reigns gets a good pop. But to compare the pops as soon as that music hits, to compare the music these guys get compared to the guys in the 80s and 90s, you just can't, there, there, there is no comparison. Just think back whenever the NWO was around, every time their music hit, huge pop. And I, like I said, my opinion, but I think that if they improve on the music, now mind you, AEW's music is, is not very good at all. I think that's why Chris Jericho kind of used his own music for his entrance for the inner circle. But I think if WWE improves on their music, that's going to help getting that big pop because you want to get the fans into the match early. As soon as that music hits, you want that pop. You want the fans into it. I think that's what's kind of hurting it now. Now, the next thing is going to be... Now, guys, anyone that's been watching wrestling... I mean, I'm 45 years old, so do the math. Anybody that's been watching wrestling from the time they were itty-bitty knows that the competition... There was competition and there were wars way before the Monday Night Wars. Now, the Monday Night Wars got a lot bigger as times went on and, and, and the wrestling business changed. But make no mistake about it. The war was on between the WWF and the NWA back in the day. What you had back in the day when that was going on. Now, again, this was my opinion. Now, Hulk Hogan was everything in the 80s because WWE was worldwide. Now, myself personally, even as a kid, I'm much rather the NWA. Every one of the four horsemen were amazing. Sid Vicious was Sid Justice or whatever, whatever he called himself was just starting out over there. Sting was a kid. The Koloffs were there. You had the Freebirds, the NWA's roster, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, th their roster was so deep and just, so, you'd never see a bad match back in the 80s where, I mean, WWF at the time, I mean, they, they, had, they were on television everywhere. All the NWA really had was uh, TBS Superstation. That's basically all they were on. But they, in my opinion, they were much deeper. They were much better, but there was still so much competition between those two organizations. And again, now, nowadays you've got a pay-per-view every single month. You've got Monday Night Raw. You've got SmackDown. You've got NXT. Now that's just for the WWE. When WCW was around, you had Monday Night Nitro. You had Thunder. AEW is doing pretty good, I think, right now, just staying with the one show. I believe that's all they have is the one show. Now, they might do a pay-per-view every month or every two months. But do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how much wrestling that there is and was from the 90s until now? Back in the 80s, WWF had, what, four pay-per-views by 1987, 1988? I, th I think that's around the time the Royal Rumble started. Then you had WrestleMania. Then you had SummerSlam. Then you had Survivor Series. Those were the four staples. In WCW, or the NWA, I should say, they had basically the same thing. They had a couple of pay-per-views, and then they had a Clash of the Champions. Uh, WWF might have you know, one show I absolutely loved, and it was always better than the pay-per-views sometimes was Saturday Night's Main Event. As a kid, that was my all-time favorite show growing up. But do you see what I'm saying? How because we weren't saturated with it and it wasn't all over television. It made it a lot more interesting as well. Whereas now if you miss three weeks of Monday night raw, if you miss 
three weeks of SmackDown or three weeks. I mean, NXT, I used to love NXT, but I haven't watched it in, in a very long time now. That's another show that got just got boring and saturated. And I think the better wrestlers got called up and it's everything. Everything's just watered down now. It's just too much of everything. And that's why I think the 80s were better because it wasn't saturated. It wasn't so available all the time. But if you missed a couple of weeks back in the 80s and you turned on the television, something could be totally different. You turn it on now after three weeks, I don't think you're going to miss very much. So I'll leave that at that. Way too much wrestling. Way too, way, just way too saturated. Now, my next point is... I'm going to watch how I word this because anybody that's in professional wrestling got into it because they love the business. But I do believe that back in the eighties, there were no guaranteed contracts. You got paid on what the house was, how many asses you put in the seats. And it also depended who was on the card. Cause you knew if you went to a city and Hulk Hogan was on that card, you were going to get paid a lot of money because Hulk Hogan was on that card. Wrestlers, like I said, I'm trying to word this because I know they all love pro wrestling and that's why they're in the business. But it's almost like back in the eighties, guys wanted to work harder. They wanted to hone their craft because the more asses in the seats, again, the more money you made now with guaranteed money, like everyone always gets a big bonus payoff at WrestleMania back in the eighties. Everyone's big payoff was every show, every house show. Because there were no pay-per-views. There was one WrestleMania and then a couple other pay-per-views throughout the year. And then you had your merchandise. But in order to sell your merchandise, you had to be over. You had to be a good wrestler. You had to have the fans talking about you. And some of that is still true today as far as the merchandise merchandise goes. But again, with this guaranteed money, I think it kind of... You know, it's one thing for a guy to jump off the top rope and do a half a daiquiri twist and he does six flips in the air and that's it. But if you're not honing your skills to just be a wrestler, like put the like the wrestlers back in the 80s, I think that's hurting the business, too. It's it's flash and dash. And I understand the business has changed. But, you know, in my opinion, I think the guaranteed money is has hurt the business a bit more where wrestlers almost. They still work hard, don't get me wrong, and I'm not saying they don't, but all I'm saying is back in the 80s, if you wanted to make the big money, you had to work a lot harder and, and put a lot more time in to make that money. Now, the next thing are the belts, the titles. Back in the 80s, it was it was pretty black and white. In the WWF, the Intercontinental Champion was automatic number one contender to the heavyweight championship. The tag team belts, they, you know what? It was, who's the best tag team in the business or or in our company, I should say. And who do we think are the number one contenders? Let's throw them together and we'll have a match. The NWA was a lot different. They actually had a ranking system that was, I mean, you had your world heavyweight champion. Then you had the United States champion. The United States champion was number one contender to the world heavyweight champion, but they had a top 10. They had a top 10 ranking system and and pro wrestling illustrated would put that out once a month in their magazine. And every time you watch the NWA on television, they always had a one or two minute segment 
showing all the different ranking systems from the champion down to the top 10 and blah, 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 blah. AEW is bringing that back right now, which I really love. Every week they show their, their ranking system. You got the world champion, you got your TNA champion, and then you got the tag team champions, but they got all the wrestlers and the records and the rankings. And that's the way it should be where WWE, I mean, you got, got, you got five guys coming out in the ring. Hey, I'm getting a title match. No, Hey, I deserve a title match. And then you got someone come out and say, Oh, and, and, and it's been going on for years and it's so predictable. It's getting silly. Oh, well, we're just going to have a triple threat or we're going to have a four or five way, or we're going to have a battle Royal and the winner takes on the champion, whoever it is, us champion, intercontinental champion tag team. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it's predictable and it's boring and I just don't like it, but I am glad to see that AEW is bringing back this ranking system. It just tries, it brings more prestige back to the titles, I think, and actually makes them mean something. Whereas the WWF, WWE titles I find in the last few years, they don't really mean anything. It's almost, they are literally props that guys wear to the ring just to try to enhance the storyline. And I don't like it. And don't forget that back in the 80s, and again, anyone my age knows this, because if you watch any documentaries now with wrestlers, back in the 80s, when you had a, a belt, when you had a title, and it didn't matter what it was, if it was the tag belt on either in either organization, the U.S. title, Intercontinental title, the NWA title, or the WWF title, you made more money because they would put the belt on the guys that they felt would draw more money. Now they tried to do that today, but again, that's like, you know, back in the eighties, it, because the titles meant something and wrestlers see everything ties in wrestlers worked a lot harder because you had to work harder to make that money. And to make that money, you had to be a champion because there were no guaranteed contracts. There was more prestige to holding a belt back then. And again, if you were a champion, you made more money depending on the house with, again, no guaranteed contracts. Well, guys, that's going to do it for another show. Hope you guys are digging this because I love bringing it to you. I'll be back again next Tuesday with another show. And listen, I added an email to the description. The email is letstalkwrestling2021 at gmail.com. Drop me a question. Drop me a suggestion. Drop me criticism. Drop me whatever you want. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my name is Doug, I'm out, don't forget to subscribe.